Welcome to the Dauntless Grace Exchange. I'm Deidre. And I'm Megan. And we are talking about instinctual subtypes for the Enneagram today, which is a subject I have avoided for a very long time in our Enneagram coaching, partly because I don't think that it is super important to know when you're first learning the Enneagram because it doesn't change your core motivation, your core longing, your core fears. And I think it's one of those places where people can really get stuck in a rabbit hole of information and then never really understand what their core Enneagram number is, right? Yeah. On the other hand, I do think that for a lot of people, understanding that these exist is helpful because it might help explain why certain people of the same Enneagram number look and behave very differently from each other. Sure. Yeah. Because I think that that is, while the Enneagram is not based on behavior, we can definitely be like, wow, you're both a three because you could not be more different. Yeah. Right. So the instinctual subtypes are just a further way to break down each Enneagram number. There are three instincts that all of us humans have, and they are a self-preservation instinct, a social instinct, and a sexual, which sometimes is referred to as one-to-one, but for alliteration's sake and because it really um, makes sense with what sexual means in terms of a, a competition and aggression, we're going to stick to the word sexual, although it has nothing to do with actual sexual anything. Okay. So the three instinctual subtypes, or do we just so those call are the instinct? Those are the three instincts. And okay, every so three instincts. Yes. Are, and I just want to repeat them because I'm a visual learner. So when I don't have it in front of me to look at, I'm just hearing it. I don't remember it. So the three instincts are self-preservation, social, and sexual. Yes. And all humans have all three, right? Mm -hmm. But we can have one that is going to be like more dominant. It's the one that kind of drives us a little bit within who we are one that we're kind of neutral towards and one that is a little bit more repressed or like that we're blind to, like we don't focus on it at all. Right. And unlike Enneagram numbers, our instincts can kind of change over time. Uh, The stack of how those look might change that we might become more dominant in one instinct and the other one might move to neutral. But often the one that we're repressed in will always kind of be the one we're repressed in. And so that becomes a really good growth point for us to understand that. And you've said that um, while they can change, they don't change often. Um, And they really can be a little bit more based on like the season of life you're in. Right. Or the season of life that's like that the world is in. Like for instance, we obviously coming through a global pandemic, people, a lot of people found that their self-preservation instinct probably rose to the top (laughs) for them. You know, if the, especially if it wasn't there before, even for, you know, somebody like me whose self-preservation is probably my repressed instinct, probably got a little bit more dominant during that time when you're just thinking about how do you survive in this new world right now? Yeah. Well, and so I was trying to liken this to stance work a little bit. It's not Mm -hmm. the same, but just the way that you, if for me to have like another schema to attach it to, um, you know, we, we all think we all feel, we all do. Those are things that all humans use as ways of engaging with the world and through our senses and taking in information, but our stance can be further defined by which one is dominant and which one is more repressed. So as one I repressed in thinking, but that doesn't mean I don't think. So same thing here, like you may have a self-preservation instinct that's low, but that doesn't mean you don't wanna survive. Like right. be attacked by a bear, you're gonna run or, or something, right? Like you're gonna, this is, these are instincts that are in us all. So we're really kind of stacking them based on how dominant 
versus repressed or like you said, neutral you are to it. So it's a little bit, I don't think that your stance in terms of the feeling, thinking and doing change, that is just, right. that comes with your Enneagram type. So that's kind mm-hmm. of like set in a way, but you can work on pulling up the repressed stance, right? You can do work with that. So over here, it's, it's a little more fluid, um, but still we're going to look at it the same thing. Like what is dominant? and then stack those. So when people see this, like on your Instagram account, um, the way that they're abbreviated, it'll have like, uh, S P for self-pres S O for social and S X for sexual. Right. So mm-hmm. if you've ever seen someone just like hashtag themselves, like seven S O or something like that, that's what they're doing. And, you know, just pointing that out for us newbies that this is the lingo. <laughs> us newbies who use Instagram hashtags all the time right I don't but I mean (laughs) I'm saying I see people (laughs) it exists my my most used hashtag is probably tell me you're one without telling me you're one but that's really long to type out so I don't do it all (laughs) (laughs) um yes so those are the instincts and that's how they stack now what happens then is that each Enneagram type we've talked about this before has a passion or sin. For example, for an Enneagram one, the passion or sin is anger, right? Right. So when that instinct, that dominant instinct in a person is paired with that passion of anger, it means that they are the, that subtype of an Enneagram one. So all nine numbers have all three instincts, which creates those 27 subtypes. Okay. I want, I just want you to say it again to me, like I'm dumb. (laughs) So all ones have the same, um, passion, which is anger. Yes. But they could be dominant in either self-preservation, social, or sexual instinct. And those become the three subtypes of an Enneagram one, a self-pres one, a social one, or sexual one. I just don't understand that. <laughs> I understand the subtypes, but I don't understand why that's different than just having the instincts. Like, right. Because what is you the connection and, to the passion? Well, it's just how it, it, how it's how the 27 are formed. For instance, I am dominant in social as are you right. More likely, but I'm a social four and you're a social one because my instinct of social pairs with the envy passion oh. of a four. So okay. it's really just another way to kind of define it. Okay. So that's why these three instincts don't look the same across the board because they're connecting to a different vice with each type. Yes, exactly. So the social with the anger for you makes you an Enneagram social one and the social mixed with the envy for me makes me a social four. And that's why even our social instincts play out differently from each other within our type Okay, because they're, they're still distinct subtypes, even though they're the same instinct. I got you. All right. Language is important. I just want to. It is. So nine Enneagram numbers, three instincts create 27 subtypes. That is math that I can do. And you want to know why? Because (laughs) you taught me that if I hold my knuckles up, I can do my nine times table. No, I swear that we were recording one time or teaching one time and you tried to multiply nine to three. I know my nine times table. I was in the generation that had to say them out loud 20 times a day, every day in second, third, and fourth grade. I still think that there is like recorded evidence somewhere of you not able to multiply nine times three. It is possible. I am both directionally challenged and mathematically challenged. So it is possible. I do feel like I have a pretty good handle on my multiplication table, but I also like, you know, practiced it with five kids. So I think we're there, but (laughs) Regardless, you gave me a cheat. I can hold up three fingers on one side and 
seven on the other and count it or whatever it is nine on the other two, two on one hand and seven on the other right okay that's a visual that we can't explain but if anyone <laughs> needs to know how to teach their kids their nine times tables you can do it with your knuckles and it's really cool my nephew did showed me the other day at Thanksgiving <laughs> how he was learning it and it was oh, the really? same thing but I was like that's super cool <laughs> it is super cool I I'm glad they still teach that um okay what, what were we talking about <laughs> three times nine <laughs> subtypes okay 27 so right so we're gonna start I think today we cannot get through 27 subtypes in one podcast episode as evidenced by the fact that we can barely define them concisely <laughs> so today we are just going to talk about those three instincts and what they mean in general and not try to pair them with any Enneagram numbers yet perfect and then maybe next week we'll start with nine because we should for Julie <laughs> we should for Julie Mason so Julie tune in next week we're gonna start with you um okay so self-preservation is the first instinct we're going to talk about. I'm going to throw more math at you. You ready? Okay. So the way that um, Henry Hudson defines all of this, and he's like of the Riso Hudson, the ready test, if you've ever heard of them as Enneagram teachers, Hudson kind of has this really, really cool paper he did on subtypes. Um, he takes all three instincts and breaks each one of them down into three zones Oh, only not not to like assign like one zone stronger than another like you don't have to self-analyze yourself against these zones it's just really to help define them more clearly okay. so you can say self-preservation as an instinct and you're like what does that mean well here's what it means it means that you're self-preserving in these three zones or most of these three zones maybe in your health in your resources and in your home does that make more sense? That makes sense. Not, you don't have to analyze yourself based off of that though. Okay. You don't have to go, oh, I'm strongest in health. No, don't worry about that with the zones. Okay. So those three zones for self-preservation are health, finances, and home. Health, resources, and home. Oh, yeah. Resources. So pretty much. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just true for every type. That's the instinct and the zones mm -hmm. of that instinct. Right. So okay. if we want to like kind of define those zones just so people can maybe see if they can find themselves in a, in, in self-preservation, um, that health would be more like, you know, literally attention to our physical well-being. So that would be self-care, body awareness, nutrition, uh, rest, exercise, things like that. For home or I mean, for resources, that would be some of that financial stuff. It would be money. It would be time, energy, managing and maintaining the resources that we have. Mm -hmm. And for the home, it would be more about the domesticity um, zone, kind of like creating, maintaining a home, um, having that almost that place, that safe haven to go back to, to rest, recharge. So those are kind of the, the bigger definitions of what it means to have a self-preserving instinct. Okay, that's good. That makes sense. Questions about self-preservation? <laughs> no one's in the chat. <laughs> I'm asking you. <laughs> I know. I'm just butting in with my questions. So um, even if you're dominant in self-preservation, that doesn't mean that you're like super great in all three of those zones. It's kind of why they break them out a little bit because, you yeah. know, you might find yourself in two of them and one be like, oh, I don't really resonate with that, but you're still dominant so much so in self-preservation. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Um, social instinct, then those three zones would be um reading people mm. <laughs> you're like mm. 
<laughs> um, this one's me. So I'll probably be like, yes. <laughs> I know the whole time. The other one would be like connection and relationships. And the last one would be contribution participation. Those are the three zones. So, probably why I thought I was a two for quite some time. <laughs> right. Because you're really strong in that social thing. Yeah. Um, the social instinct, by the way, does not mean like socialization. It does not mean like getting together in crowds of people <clears throat> or like small talking. Like extroverted kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It has nothing to do with that. It literally has to do with like, how do you read others and <clears throat> how do you pick up cues from others? How do you see facial expressions and body languages? Can you read through the lines of what they're saying? Are you discerning in their emotions? And you're really strong in that one. Yeah. And it makes so much sense why my vice of anger would be connected to that because that's why I pick up like get resentful so quickly because I'm like reading between all the lines which is super unfair because people don't have a chance but also I'm pretty accurate at it. I, uh, I don't know sometimes you're like well I just assume this the people are thinking this and they just never are when it's about you so you're really good at reading their emotions and their body languages when it's about other people but when it's about you you tend to put the like the worst filter on it yeah I'm just saying, I can see how that pairs uh -huh. with that anger issue. Why resentment? No, you're, no, resentment you're giving is yourself, strong with this one. You're giving yourself a gold star, and I don't think you earned it there. <laughs> <laughs> so that, so still in the social instinct, that other zone of like creating and maintaining connections or relationships, um, that is like that can get down to almost a one-on-one -on -one kind of relationship where they want reciprocity in a relationship. They want to like, in, um engage others, strengthen connections, etc. Again, it doesn't have anything to do with extroversion, um, but it helps us like stay engaged in whatever relationships we have. And the third one, the participation and contribution is part of that social instinct. And it's about understanding that our efforts like make a difference. Like mm -hmm. what are we doing that actually contributes to a greater good? It's part of that belonging piece too. Like if what we're putting out there serves a purpose in the bigger picture, then there's a belonging component with that. Okay, so to recap, we, we did the three for, for self-pres, mm -hmm. these three for social. Could you just say those bullet points one more time? Reading others, connection, connection through relationship, and contribution participation. Okay, awesome. Got Any it. questions about like social? Trap. Remember it. <laughs> I mean, I've been studying this and I'm still using cheat sheets in front of me, so... It's just, it's a just lot helping of define it. I think you're right. I think it gives the language more nuance when we have these zones to kind of define how that plays out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the third instinct of sexual instinct. So this is often really misunderstood because it isn't about like intimacy necessarily because, you know, self-preservation people want intimacy, social people, intimacy is a huge part of that connection relationship part. Right. But this is more of that like, energy like a, a like a stimulating energy that they're putting out into the world it can be mm. more aggressive or competitive or um that, something like that so it's not as much to do with intimacy or even a one-on-one -on -one kind of relationship okay the three zones for the sexual instinct then would be that attraction charisma exploration adventure infusion merging mm. so breaking those down a little bit that attraction um charisma it's kind of like people who have um that really strong like magnetic kind of energy where you, mm -hmm. like 
they're just naturally drawn to others. People are drawn to them. You can tell when they walk into a room, it's just this really strong energy um, that they kind of broadcast out, even if they're not, they don't even know it sometimes, right? It's just that command of attention that they have. um, And that is part of that sexual instinct. The exploration adventure part, those are the people who are really like interested in experiencing everything that there is to life. So I, I see how sevens and eights might have really strong like sexual instincts because they naturally already have that quest for expansion or for better or for more or anything like that. That's part of that sexual instinct. Yeah. Um, and then that last one is the fusion or merging. And this is the part that this is why sometimes you see this instinct called one one to one, because it's about literally like intensely like bring, like merging with the object of whatever their attention is. So it could mm-hmm. be a relationship, which is yeah. how it got coined one to one, but it's often beyond that kind of connecting, and it doesn't always have to be with people. It could be like um, it could be an idea that they're like so like fused with, or maybe a career or that you know that kind of thing mm-hmm. but it's almost like losing who you are losing yourself in this idea of merging with this other thing this other entity and it becomes part of you yeah so it's more about the intense bonding rather than like a like softer intimacy of what we might think of right yeah the name is slightly misleading mm-hmm. right but the sexual seems to be a better like name than the one-to-one because I think the one-to-one really fits more with that social, social it's about yeah. connection and relationship yeah I mean just as you're explaining all of these zones and all three of these instincts I'm thinking like several of the threes that we know mm-hmm. are so different and I can totally see it based on these like I we have really close friends and family that I would put into all three of these and it totally explains why even though their root motivation and their lens is the same fear of a three right or motivation the the way that they move through their world looks so differently because of these um probably whichever one is dominant for them I could pretty much guess for all four of the people I'm thinking of right now (laughs) but it makes so much sense it's like oh okay yeah that's why um or even we've talked on here a couple times my sister-in-law Meg is a one and how we uh still would look very different in the way we approach life I don't know for sure, but I'm kind of guessing she's a self-pres because she's very on top of health and fitness and nutrition and her finances are like meticulously, like everything's in order and, you know, categorized and spreadsheeted and everything. And I'm always like, am I not a good one? Because I don't care as much about that. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm, I'm probably the more social one, you know, so not that she's not social, but you know what I mean? That we've discussed that on here, like why right. as two ones who know each other really well, do we care about different things sometimes and like uh where our oneness shows more and that makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. so what you're talking about there like uh, being a social one versus a self-preservation one this is where we can start talking about how those stacks play out then so as as you heard these three instincts kind of defined a little bit more you might have really like felt a pull towards one of them and maybe not so much with one of them and that will help define the stack so i would say like if I'm defining my stack, my strongest instinct is the social. My next one is the sexual and I have a blind spot or a repressed self-preservation instinct. So I would stack it. And this is how I would say it as a social sexual four. And I would abbreviate it. If you're looking on Instagram hashtags as S O slash S X four, that's how, that's how you'd write it out for the naming of it so you're leaving the repressed one off and you're just stacking the top two in order right dominant okay right 
and so I'm people a, who are listening to this are like that already know this are like duh you guys but I'm like oh new information tell me how to actually write it so I look like I know what I'm talking about I'm assuming I feel like we've talked about this your stack is the same right your social sexual I, one I think so I'm pretty sure self-pres is the lowest for me and I would probably put the sexual in the middle because social would be the I also definitely can see where at times probably in my life I've been more sexual social and that the stack, like the top two have flipped and my stack has changed a little bit, but I don't think that my self-preservation's ever moved from that repressed center. And that seems to be the pattern that that one hardly moves. The only reason self-preservation might seem important to me is I deal a lot with the fear of scarcity uh, in both Mm -hmm. finances and time and home stuff. Um, So I don't focus on it to really always fix it. <laughs> I deal with the fear of it. Um, so potentially that's more middle and sexual is lower up for me, but yeah. I'd have to do a little more work with this for sure. Social is at the top though. So, yeah. Um, this is one clue about finding that blind spot. We tend to get triggered when a person who is dominant instinct is our blind spot is doing is when they're doing their overdoing of the instinct. Like it triggers us because it, it's like the part of us we don't allow out or we don't like kind of have permission. Yeah. So like if self-preservation is our blind spot, hello, then people who fuss about those issues drive us nuts, like fitness gurus or, you know, things like that are like, oh my gosh, like you're going to cut out all gluten, like just get over it or whatever. (laughs) Because that's where we're like completely repressing is that self-preservation thing. And so people who over-focus that we think is an overfocus on it then can trigger us so just to, to give that some fairness to the other instincts so people who might be blind in the social instinct they might see social dominant people like us as like spending too much time socializing right or connecting or why do you spend so much time with that that's just shallow or no one's talking about anything deep because you're just trying to make connections or something like that and that might be triggering to them or for the sexual instincts um if we're blind in that, we tend to see those dominant people as like show-offs or too much in a room or something like that. It's usually because it's triggering that repressed part in us. Sexual might be my repressed then. <laughs> if we really get like that. Maybe you are. You might be social self-pressed. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. That's funny. Um but we can talk about even, I don't know how much time we have because you're monitoring the clock and I am not, but do you want to talk about what it looks like if we are blind in an instinct, like for ourselves, not just how we get triggered by other people? Yeah. Let's do it. I feel like I'm talking a lot. No. (laughs) I should send this to you and let you teach on it. I'm just the Um, peanut gallery to comment and ask questions here today. Oh gosh. Okay. So for people whose repressed instinct might be self-preservation, which is definitely me. I don't know. I still feel like sometimes you are. Yeah. I don't think we're going to decide it on this call, but I know that I am. Um, We still might be competent in some of those zones or some of those areas, but overall life can lack structure and regularity. Uh, Yes. We usually avoid at least two of those three zones. And I would say absolutely. I can't tell you the last time I made a medical appointment that I didn't need to make. Um, I don't, I think, I don't think this is true for me. I know I'm getting sad right now. Um, So we might avoid thinking about our money or our finances and just assume it'll all work itself out. I'm raising my hand again. Um, So it's more of just like, uh, who needs to mess with that? I'd rather focus on other things. These are like the practical mundane parts of life and it'll just work itself out. 
And so this sentence is like, I don't have it all together and I never will. I'm not sure how to establish myself in life. Yeah, this might not be you at all. <laughs> I feel like I'm very structured, even though I don't like to deal with money. Like I sit down every week and look at my spreadsheet and do things with it. I, I judge myself for not doing it better, but I'm not sure that's <laughs> not just my one lens. I'm right. super regular about all of the calendar and appointments and all of those things for me and the kids. And all right, it's, I'm not like doing it out of fear. Like, oh my gosh, I'm worried if I don't, it's not like that. Like, it's definitely not a priority. Right. It's just like something that exists in my world as something I do. And I don't have a lot of feelings about it one way or the other. So that's why I feel like it could be more in that neutral. That space. neutral. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. All right. If you're blind and social, uh, this is not the same as being an introvert, although you could be an introvert and be blind and social or an introvert and be dominant and social. Like this has nothing to do with that. Um, but we reflexively think that anytime we have to be with people, it's going to be a drag if you're blind and social, or if that's repressed, that's different from the need to have space to recharge. It's more like, oh, there's nothing valuable that's going to happen if I'm around all these people, which is different than I want to be with the people, but it drains me. Right. Like it's different than the energy thing. Um, again, it has nothing to do with not liking really groups or parties, it's more like we don't see the value in connection at all. Like, mm-hmm. what's the point of getting to know someone new? What's the point of sitting there and doing that? Uh, they tend to associate that connection with like previous bad interactions, like humiliations or disappointments, mm-hmm. etc. Um, it quotes Dear Evan Hansen when I'm looking at this. That's awesome. <laughs> what is the quote? Step out of the sun if you keep getting burned. Oh, funny. <laughs> Um, uh, it can manifest as an exaggerated self-consciousness. Like it's just so hard to relax and be with people. It's just easier to avoid them than risk, like putting yourself out there, but then they kind of don't practice or develop skills. So again, this is people who are repressed in the social instinct. I don't understand that one because I'm dominant in social instinct. You're silent. I I think there were probably... If we talk about seasons, there were definitely times as a younger person where that was very repressed for me because I didn't want to be in the spotlight. I didn't want to be connecting that that did feel like I've gotten burned here before for multiple reasons. Right. And so now I think about it like in my more healed state connection is more important to me. Because I want to connect to the broken parts of other, (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) I want to make space for that connection because I know it brings healing to other people. So it's more about, but again, that kind of goes back to that social thing. Like that brings, there's a productive aspect of that. I don't want to just hang out without that part. No, that participation contribution, like understanding that what you're doing matters. That's kind of a more social reason than it is that sexual reason. So, well, and I think that's the whole point of the social instincts and people who are repressed in it. It's not that they don't want to ever be around people. It's that they don't understand why it matters to be in this space. What is the point? What is the value? Right. That is definitely a thought I think multiple times a week, like like if I'm there with a purpose, you know, that makes sense. But if I'm not, it's, I really do feel like this is not productive. I don't understand why everyone is making a big deal about it or whatever. Yeah. I won't use right. any specific examples because I don't want to, you might be listening. But I'm kind of like, ouch, right now. <laughs> no, 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 no. All right. Well, I don't think you're blind and social. So I don't think that you ever really come to the conclusion that it never has a point or value, obviously. Right. Okay. 
if you are blind in the sexual instinct or that's your repressed instinct, um, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that even those people lack intensity because you can have intensity from being highly social or intensity from being highly self-preserved or whatever. Um, but this is more about that passion and powerful energies, the newness of things, the, um, anything that brings excitement and energy. These people want to like kind of turn away from all of that. They don't want to <clears throat> engage with maybe acting on something new, like that's scary, or they procrastinate acting on new adventures or experiences because they might have the desire, but then the energy isn't there to match it or whatever. And you're smiling. Um, <laughs> people with that blind spot, that sexual instinct blind spot might feel um, a heightened sense of responsibility to be the sensible one. And so new things or these passions might feel too risky um, or their self-attack comes along the lines of thinking I'm so boring. I can't imagine anyone would take much interest in me. And if they do, I suspect there's something wrong with them. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I feel so really that called out right now. <laughs> <laughs> now that we're going through these, I had one idea of what you were. And now that we're saying them out loud, I'm like, oh yeah, no, you're social self-pres. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's funny. <clears throat> so yeah. So I don't know. What have we learned here today? <laughs> What have we learned here? Well, I've learned the language around this, which is helpful, and the zones, which clarify each of those instincts further to me. So that was helpful. Is there any way, like, do you have it in front of you where we could pop through those mm -hmm. one more time? So yep. our three instincts are self-preservation, social, and sexual. Good. The three zones of self-preservation are health, health, health resources, fitness, resources, and, and home, home domesticity. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you, you give the three for social. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The social are, um, reading others, connection and relationships, contribution, participation. Okay. And then the three for sexual attraction, charisma, exploration, adventure, fusion, merging. Okay. So what we're going to do the next two weeks is talk about how these play out with each of the types, starting with nine. So stay tuned. Um, and I think that'll be helpful. People can kind of maybe get a little bit more information about what their core fear motivation thing is being driven by, which is helpful mm -hmm. to see how that plays out in life. And then also to take some honest stock of those blind spots. So just because it's not just because it's more repressed doesn't mean you can't be aware of it and make some choices about that. Anytime we have awareness, we can make choices and do something with that. And on in two weeks, when we get to the last part of it, if we don't get through it all next week, we will have definitely diagnosed what your stack is for sure. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> and that wraps up another episode of the Dauntless Grace Exchange. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave a review so other people can find us. You can follow us on social media to stay connected. We're on Instagram at Dauntless Grace Ministries and our Facebook page is Dauntless Grace. For more about the Enneagram, visit our website at dauntlessgrace.org for coaching and training opportunities. And you can follow me at Enneagram Megan on Instagram. And be sure to check out our website for more information about today's podcast. Plus, you can click the resources tab to find books by all the authors we've spoken to or about. And you can find it at dauntlessgrace.org. <laughs>